The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by The Beeline. Visit YourSippingPoint.com. By Michter's American Whiskies. By 291 Colorado Whiskey and Rack House Whiskey Club. Enter Fred at checkout to save $25. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. I'm Fred. We have a great episode for you lined up. But first, I got to tell you about a new sponsor we have on board. It's Rackhouse Whiskey Club. Rackhouse Whiskey Club is a Whiskey of the Month club on a mission to uncover the best flavors and stories that craft distilleries across the U.S. have to offer. They ship full-size bottles, no sample sizes here, and cool merch directly to your door. Everybody likes merch these days. And as always with Rackhouse Whiskey Club membership, shipping is free. All kinds of interesting whiskeys from around the country can be right there at your doorstep. Go to rackhousewhiskeyclub.com to check it out. Use code FRED for $25 off your first box. That's code FRED, F-R-E-D. Or, you know, just take a look at the phone there at the podcast you're listening to. And, uh, yeah, enter fred at rackhousewhiskeyclub.com. So this week's episode features none other than the great Harry Scherer, the voice of Mr. Burns, Ned Flanders, Kent Brockman, so many wonderful characters on The Simpsons. I grew up on The Simpsons. My family, that was like the one thing that we actually watched together as a family. And just such a such a pleasant interview this was. But I will tell you that I got put a little bit uh, outside of my comfort zone, or at least asked to dip back into some some uh, the old me in some ways, Harry uh, requested that we drink wine over whiskey. And so, as you know, a lot of you might know this, that I used to be a wine writer. I was a wine writer for, uh, gosh, a very long time. And uh, I kind of gave that up to focus on whiskey starting around 2012, but I had a good, you know, six-year six-year run as a wine writer, and I would f- travel all over the world, checking out the d- various types of um, wines and terroirs and what have you. And the one type of grape that always fascinated me was Malbec. See, Malbec is home in Cowor. Like that's kind of like where I was, uh, you know, born and bred. And there's a lot of history and government around Cowor, France, specifically about this grape. But it becomes famous in the contemporary sense through Argentina. Argentina Malbecs are all the rage these days. So I sent uh, Harry a bottle of Malbec from those two respective areas. And I cannot wait for you to hear this interview and hear what he plans to pair with one of the Malbecs now I've got a my trivia question this week is based on the Simpsons. Of course it is, am I right? I'm, of course I'm going to go to the Simpsons. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, 
to heat cycling our barrel houses to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado Whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Write it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. A big shout out to the sponsors. I really appreciate you all coming in and supporting us right now, especially during a, a, a pandemic. Uh, okay, so who is the character that brought out his, his, his Kentucky bourbon, and he called it the brownest of the brown liquors? What was the name of the character who brought out the brownest of the brown liquors on The Simpsons? Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram with your answer. And if you get it right, I'll send you a sticker. But of course, the answer's coming up after the interview. So enjoy this uh, time with Harry Scherer, the one, the only, the great voice of Ned Flanders. Harry Scherer, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, uh, you have to say considering um, at, this, yeah. at this time. But um, fortunately, my wife and I are well. Um, our friends in New Orleans are, are good. Our friends in London are good. Our friends here in LA are good. So um, we feel very lucky um, and uh, grateful. And uh, and we're getting a lot, <laughs> my wife and I were both talking the other day, we're getting a lot of work. Your wife's also like a really incredibly talented musician. Um, yeah. How how is this impacted? Like what what she does on a day to day basis? Well, touring is off for the uh, time being. Uh, she had tours planned, um, so she won't be doing that traveling and seeing people face to face. But she's seeing people um, by, uh, virtually through um, this thing called acapella, where she's able to work with her band remotely 
-hmm. and they sync up and so they perform for people and a lot more people are seeing them uh that way than the other way and uh she's also doing some uh a few comedy pieces which will be uh, coming out soon and i'm doing uh i'm showcasing a A YouTube channel, so people like me would normally be in New Orleans and walking from club to club each night to hear that music and hear it while we're away, and people can be introduced to it who haven't heard it before. Yeah, actually, the uh, the local paper picked it up and uh, did a nice story on uh, on the pianist that was uh, playing some tunes for you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's two or three already, and we're adding more. And then the uh, local radio station in New Orleans is doing like a this is jazz festival time in New Orleans, and it's not yeah. happening. Uh, and so they're doing a virtual one where they're going to the archives and retrieving some amazing performances that have been recorded at Jazz Fest over the years. And this weekend and next weekend doing that. So you know, life is all right, like comparatively. You know. Yeah, music is very. You know, it it it's so important to my life. Um, you know, I. I help put on music festivals across the in, across Kentucky, and and it's like it, you know, this is a very very painful, you know, moment because a lot of us are are asking ourselves the question, will we ever get back to that point where we can have a mass gathering and listen to music and feel our feet in the sand and just kick back with a little something something, you know, a little something, a little something um, something. Do you, do you do bluegrass festivals? Uh, so I co-created a uh, festival called Bourbon and Beyond. And, you know, in years past, we've we featured uh, ZZ Top, uh, Robert Plant, John Mayer, uh, Lenny Kravitz, uh, Steve Miller Band, uh, Stevie Nicks. And we do have a bluegrass, uh, we do have a bluegrass stage. Uh, mm. la- last year, we had Green Sky Bluegrass, who's like this incredible... They're incredible band. Uh, I love. There's uh, it's also there was a band called Steel Wheels, that mm-hmm. I, really incredible vocals that we've had in the past. So we've had a lot of great bluegrass musicians, um, but uh, probably probably not be better. A, What's that? I say I happen to be a big bluegrass fan, so that's why I asked. Knowing so, Kentucky is bluegrass country. That's right. Last year I had the opportunity to meet Dale McCory, and. Huh. That was like, you know, for a lot of people, you're like, you know, they would like to meet Michael Jordan or Elvis. For me, meeting Dale was like one of those moments. He was just Mm -hmm. so talented. I mean, he played with Bill Monroe. Yeah, I know. I know. We had, oh, God, one of the great um, fiddle players of Nashville came on stage and played with Spinal Tap when we went through there. And uh, I don't want to mention his name because the story is a little amusing, but he's somebody on our crew heard him. He's standing backstage waiting to go on, and he asks the nearest person, uh, tell me again, what, what, what kind of music is it these boys play? <laughs> but God love him, he came out and kicked ass. That's awesome. I, 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 I've always thought like death metal needed a fiddle player like a death you know some <laughs> well, kind of like <laughs> Bela Fleck come out and play with us at in the, when we played the Ryman that was pretty amazing mm. 
Well, I know we got we we have. Uh, I sent you a, a couple of Malbecs. Uh, mm-hmm. I was not able to get the same ones as you. I no. sent you uh, a Calor. I got I got the uh, Alamos Malbec, that mm-hmm. is uh, from Argentina. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've actually I've been to both of these wineries, wow. and uh, Calor Calor is like. Uh, it's uh, in Bordeaux. It's one of the most beautiful areas of uh, Bordeaux. It gets, it's it gets, it's really you know dry there. It's really hot, and so the Malbec uh, grape does really really well in uh, Bordeaux. But of course, Malbec is known for its time in you know Argentina, and they really kind of like created their own like style and everything. And I thought tonight we could we could taste like a a, a nice available. Argentinian Malbec called Alamos. It's made by the Catena family. And you are uh, what? Ca- pull up the French bottle I sent you there. Oh uh, yeah, this the is Otsier. Otsier, yeah. Yeah. And I got yeah. Le Crozion. Uh, very probably going to be very very similar in style. But in both in both sides they call them black wine, you know, because the Malbec is so is so dark yeah it sure is um the the french one is two, 2014 and the argentinian one is 2018 yeah we have the same record. one on uh on the argentinian mine is does not have a stated year so uh 2017 oh. for the Kawar one yeah so for for those listening uh, I tried to get Harry some, you know, some wine. Uh, unfortunately, what happened was everybody's like nobody could get to their warehouses. Everybody was like closed. So I bought these from a, I brought them, you know, from a liquor store near him and had them delivered. And then when I went to buy buy them in Kentucky, which is where I live, they only had like there was only one store that even had a bottle of Cow or Malbec. So mm-hmm. um, that was a little. A little frightening that you know my my area needs to pick up their malbec drinking so so of all the characters of all the characters you you play or voice mm-hmm. who's the wine drinker of of the bunch that's such a good question um i don't know i mean clearly not flanders we know that the only wine he tastes is uh no he doesn't he doesn't taste ceremonial wine not not in his Look at the woods. Um, so I'm trying to think if any of them uh, Burns is too cheap to drink good wine, you know. Uh, and uh, maybe a, a glass under the news desk for old Kent Brockman, you know, on nights when it gets really hard out there. I, yeah, I can see Camp Brockman, you know, being, but I, I would think he'd be more of a whiskey drinker, though, because he's, you know, he needs that quick fix. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> maybe Kang, you know, if there's good wine on Mars, Kang would be drinking. Yeah. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm stumped. Well, let's, uh, maybe, maybe, um, It'll hit you in as we get to tasting. How about we start with where Kaur, uh, where where this grape really begins in in Kaur? Now, one of the interesting things about this um, 
this wine is that uh, King Henry the Third in twelve twenty five put a put a tax a particular tax on what he called the black wine of Kaur. So that's one of the areas where it kind of gets that name black wine. But if you take a look, I mean, look how dark that is. You know, yeah. that's from that's from uh, that's from the grape. You know, just incredibly yeah. dark. Yeah, it is indeed. Scare the hell out of me if I were back in twelve fifteen. <laughs> you know what they did to you back then. You know if you didn't pay your taxes, I mean you got. They made you drink this. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, very very fleshy. I love the I love the kind of like earthiness that I'm getting out of my side. Yeah, you know this. I opened these about two hours ago, so to give them a chance to. Oh, nice. Get some oxygen, you know. Hmm. Well, good. I have to say, I'm a, only a very occasional Malbec drinker, uh, so this will be interesting for me. Oh, what do you normally drink? I normally drink either Italian reds or um, French burgundies mm. in the red department. Um, as, it, as you may have been told by my people, yeah. I can't drink California because uh, there's something in there that's I, I've developed an allergy to. I, I started out in life drinking California wine, um, and then after about 15 years, my body just went, not wow, no, pasta. And so, people argue all the time about it whether that's possible. Um, and my favorite story about that is um, I got a. Uh, fan email once from a guy at a California winery, which I will not name. Uh, and he said, I'd like to send you a case of our wine. I said, thank you very much, but I can't drink it. And his reply was, and I remember these words verbatim. Oh yeah. We kind of put a witch's brew in there. Uh, you know, I, the thing I, what I have learned about when anyone has like any kind of a adverse reaction to a food or a drink, it, it, it's like people's, a lot of people's automatic response is to question that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like people with like legitimate, like uh, celiac disease or any kind of gluten allergy, I mean, they get, they get vilified. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I mean, I just don't think that's right. Um, so I, I, I feel you, I understand kind of, I know exactly the mentality people have or like, oh, no, 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 you just need to try our wine. Our wine's going to get you, it's going to get you over that hump. And, you know, poor me. I only have Chilean, Argentinian, Australian, Italian, French, Oregon, Washington wines to tide me over, you know, this, this horrible event. So I'm okay. <laughs> Cheers, my friend. Cheers. And let's see what you think of it. Wow. I, uh, I was expecting this to be a bit drier than it is. It reminds me of nothing so much as, do you know the uh, Italian wine Aglianico? Aglianico? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a little reminiscent of that. It's like a, because uh, it's fairly light bodied. Uh, but it sort of has the flavor profile that's uh, reminiscent of an Aglianica. 
which is now, one of my favorites. Now mine, which is the uh, La Cruzion, I kind of wish we, uh, um, I had a sip of yours. This one's falling a little flat for me. It's not, uh, really? yeah, it's, it's like the nose is beautiful, but, mm -hmm. but the, like the nose is full of like cherries and dark fruits and earth. Then I get it on the palate and it's like, um, it, 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 it's sweet. And and I'm not in Malbec to me shouldn't be like like well, overly sweet, you know? Yeah. This is a bit on that side as well. And that's what I meant. I was expecting it to be drier. But uh Aglianico in Italy is a little bit on that on that side as well. So maybe maybe these are fairly fairly closely related wines. It might be. I I feel like I maybe it needed a another year in the bottle maybe maybe i open this too early but uh, I, I know, I know I do. <laughs> so the so when you are when you are like uh preparing you know for for a character do do you have a do you have a routine is there something that you like to sip before before you uh before you record or go on go on stage um you know, the, the, I, I do not um, normally, let me put it this way. In my youth, I was with a comedy group, uh, and we used to do gigs every night. And Thursday nights, this is how stupidly disciplined we were. Thursday nights, we allowed ourselves to get uh, smoke a little weed before going on stage. That was our night to... Okay, let's see what we can find tonight. And because our stuff was written, we didn't improvise. So that was the night to kind of okay, let's give ourselves a little roaming room, uh, have a little weed, and see what we discover. And we could find we found you know great new pieces of material for the existing sketches. So it was a fun thing. But since that time, I uh, no, I I don't. Uh, the only thing that's part of my routine. Uh, and I learned it from my wife along with uh, the vocal exercises. She taught me that uh, her father, who was an opera singer, had taught her um, is this concoction combining apple cider, organic ap apple cider vinegar, honey, and hot water. Uh, it's mm -hmm. the, you know, a little bit of apple cider vinegar, a little bit of honey, and, and a cup of hot water. And it's just great, strips the crap off your vocal cords. Um, and makes feel brand new if you've if you've had any uh, overuse of them or used them in the wrong way or you know mm -hmm. uh, they're tired. Uh, so that's the only thing. Otherwise, I do it straight, man. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> um, well, you, you've had a, you've had an amazing career, and and your 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 start in radio, or at least your early part of your career in in radio, like you were kind of like there in the late seventies early 80s when you know radio was kind of it was kind of on its on its on its way out in some ways from uh, for people to go uh, for comedy like Bob and Ray was they were on their you know they were probably had a few years left in them but you know that was such a great medium for for comedy and I almost yeah. feel like it's making a comeback you know like there's there's a lot of cool comedy going on on radio right now well, I've been doing my show for uh, 36 years, 
So I, I came from that earlier era and just kept doing it because I, I, I love doing, I love having to write and, and, and create new characters or do new characters as people come into the news and leave the news. Um, and radio is such an erg friendly medium in terms of how much energy and how much effort it takes to create something in people's minds as opposed to television where you need a crew of 50. Although now they're going to discover that you need a crew of two <laughs> thanks to, you know, people being on television from their homes. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just so efficient and, and gets into the imagination in such a wonderful way. Uh, you mentioned to two people that, you know, basically helped me grow, grow up it was Bob and Ray. Um, they were a part of my childhood every day and uh, inspired me in so many ways. And when I was 18, speaking of alcoholic beverages, mm -hmm. to New York for a summer to work in an ad agency. And uh, one of the clients that I was assigned to was a new local New York beer called Peel's Beer, P-I-E-L-S. And uh, I learned my first lesson, first real lesson about advertising when I asked my supervisor, I don't drink beer, I still don't, uh, tell me about it. He said, it tastes like horse piss. You don't need to know anything more than that. But the two spokespeople for Peel's Beer were these two animated characters, Harry and Bert Peel, who supposedly owned the brewery, voiced by Bob and Ray. And so at 18 years old, I had written and got to produce a session with Bob and Ray reading my material. I thought that, it, it, is, it isn't going to get better than this. That is amazing. And I actually, I listened to Bob and Ray. Uh, I bought all of their CDs. I know all their skits. Uh, I often find myself saying that this uh, YouTube show and podcast is brought to you by Einbinder Flypaper. And uh, uh, I had the privilege of uh, meeting uh, Bob Elliott before he had passed away. And I, I wrote a story on him. And so I went to his uh, his cottage in uh, in Maine. Chris was there too. Did you ever work with his son, Chris? We know each other a little bit, but we never uh, worked mm. together, unfortunately. I, I, I'm watching him in Schitt's Creek now and just howling with laughter. <laughs> he's he's very talented. Chris yeah, was there, good. and and this was uh, I think this was 2007, 2008. I go into um, you know Bob's home, his cottage. I don't think the man had thrown a th single thing away in probably 25 years, but oh, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was very well organized though. And he still mm -hmm. didn't own a computer. He typed all of his letters on a typewriter and mm -hmm. he still had like this old, like cord phone. And mm -hmm. he was just, he was just an amazing man, amazing man, but uh, what a cool they story. Were, they were so brilliant. And, um, you know, uh, something that really spoke to me uh, in a way that lasted through my adult life was the enduring nature of that collaboration, you know, uh, that they were able to find that funny bone in each other that kept each other amused and, and admiring of each other. Uh, through four decades, really. and their stuff still sounds good. I, I play it for my child when we're uh, when we have long drives. So, uh, what a, what a wonderful opportunity for us to share some Bob uh, and Ray stories. Uh, um, the miracle of gas refrigeration. Does that ring a bell? Um, 
was that the one where he was uh, with the Consumer Reports and he was no. talking? No, it was Mr. Science uh, explaining oh. the miracles of cancer refrigeration. <laughs> that sounds right. Of course, there's also the world's largest living lizard. The mm -hmm. um, um, that wasn't Smelly Dave, was it? What's that? That wasn't Smelly Dave, was it? Or no, that, that was another. No, that was um, the way was the whale they were carting around one year. Yeah. Smelly Dave. The... <laughs> and, and of course the the the, the Garrus Summit soap opera, where mm -hmm. where the guy um, uh, you know kept trying to squeeze money out of his mom, and it was just. Ah, uh, if those for anybody who's listening to this or watching this, just take a moment of your time and Google Bob and Ray. You can find their stuff out there. You can buy the CDs, but just a just a a, a skit that's just timeless and funny, and and they don't use any curse words or anything like that. You know, it's a lot like in in some ways, it's the humor is not too different from what you present on on the Sim, on the Simpsons. In that it's not racy, but I guess you know when you guys first came out, it was considered racy. But uh, there was, uh, you know, we had very little interference from the network, but uh, a solid limit on the number of times the word "ass" could be used in a half hour. <laughs> and it's funny, like you look at something like South Park, where they just like they push the limits for as far as they well, possibly can. Yeah, but the difference is South Park is cable, right. and they're not regular. By the FCC, so uh, it's a different it's a different universe. Absolutely. Well, shall we go to our next uh, our next wine? Yeah, well, we have the same one. That's right for for the first time. Clean glass, clean glass, as I used to say in the right stuff. Not wow. nearly yet. Not nearly as uh, powerful a nose as the other one, right? No, no. Not, not for no. mine, anyway. Yeah, this is, this smells um, much, I guess, it smells fresher, like more, like the, like less fermentation or something. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And we are tasting yeah. the Alamos. 2018. Uh, you, you remembered the Atmos. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. That's what a little mob would do. Cheers. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. That's... That has, like, just a little at the top of what the other one was so dom dominated by. You know, that little mm -hmm. ping of, of freshness that turns into sweetness in the other wine. Oh, yeah. That's like, that's what I recognize as a Malbec much more. Mm. I really dig that. Yeah. I may have this for dinner tonight. Oh, nice. What What is for dinner? Well... It was going to be calves' liver and onions, and then um, there was a little accident at the butcher's, and oh. uh, so we're—I think we're going to have uh, duck confit. Oh, that sounds delicious! Yeah, we already had dinner. Yeah, 
we had a nice uh, a nice uh, tenderloin, and mm. then uh, and then the one year old went crazy, and uh, <laughs> I don't think I got to enjoy it. I more or less inhaled it at that point. Are you are you in something like cattle country where you are? Uh, yeah, we have a lot of really nice uh, grass-fed cattle around us. Um, okay. There's a there's a farm here called Fox Hollow Farm that is, you know, they have um, incredible beef, incredible beef. Um, this, however, came from Costco, which was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not a Costco member, but I hear... I hear good things about it, at least in the in the wine area. You know, I think uh, that you know wine. Yes, wine. You 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 get a lot. They have a lot of incredible value. Um, you know, they they're the number one retailer for all of uh, wine and spirits in the country. So, yeah, I know. but you know, I feel like you go to Costco. You know, you you don't go there. You can't just like get one thing. You have to get. Say you want a six pack of hot dogs or something. You have to get 36 of them. And so you, you walk out and, you know, it's just too much, too much. Well, that, that, that's a good place to go right before the pandemic strikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that is true, because, you know, you, you don't you can't just get four rolls of toilet paper. You get like 120. <laughs> mm. Which reminds me. The one thing I never heard anybody say during the whole toilet paper frenzy was, what's the matter with Kleenex? Right. Although I think that was people's, um, that was people's like secret weapon because Kleenexes were sold out too. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay. And, then he, and then here in, uh, in Louisville, people were using uh, uh, dis disposable wipes. And it was mm -hmm. like it was like backing up the system, and well, of course. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out so well. So no, I would. That'd be bad for the, uh, the pipes. Yes, it would be. Now this is a this is a direction I didn't think we would take the interview, is talking about <laughs> uh, you know sewage systems. Yeah, well, that's where I go. <laughs> that's where Harry Sherry goes, everybody. Right straight to the septic. That's that's where this Malbec took me. <laughs> I'm not going to blame me. I'm going to blame the Malbec. So talk, so talk about like a, a little bit more about like this uh, your YouTube channel right now um, mm. because I did check it out, and it's um, it's really really cool that you're able to bring musicians, um, you know, to the world. You know, through that. So, talk a little bit about that, about like your inspiration there and what's going well, on. My main home is New Orleans, um, and uh, uh, we we live in the French Quarter, so it is very easy to uh, have a, a lovely meal and then walk a, a few blocks and hear great music uh, for you know pathetically cheap prices. I mean, the, you know, ten dollar bill and a, and a drink. Um, and I say pathetically, I mean, because it's so cheap, it's so affordable, and I feel the musicians deserve more, um, as do they. But uh, being not there, uh, I wanted to recapitulate that experience selfishly for myself and then for other people as well who may 
not be able to go there or may never have been there uh, because it is a, a musical. I mean, the New Orleans culture generally is just a culture unlike anything else in the United States. It's uh, part Caribbean, part African, part European, um, and part French, particularly, but with some German thrown in as well. And uh, it's um, it's probably the hardest place in the world that I can imagine having to self-isolate in. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles right now, which I call with only a hint of uh, amusement the world capital of self-isolation because it seems like whenever I come here, um, I don't go see friends because it's who wants to be in the car for an hour and be really angry at the traffic when you get to see a friend, you know? Uh, whereas in New Orleans, it's, you, you, you just, you're, you're, you're not on top of each other, but it's really, everything's really close. And so you see people and you, and life is lived in the, in the streets and in the restaurants and in the clubs. Uh, even though people have lovely homes as well. It's not like New York where you have to live outside because you have, you know, 400 square feet and no windows in your home. Mm -hmm. um, it is culture that drives people out. I mean, I'm a homebody by nature. And when I'm down there, I know that every time I leave the house, I will be rewarded by something strange or funny or wonderful. And so the idea of closing all that down is, is remarkable. Uh, and so far, you know, I, I check in with my friends all the time, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a remarkably wrenching change from the, yeah. and, uh, and the music is basically part of that. And so I wanted to share at least that much with people. I am friends with a lot of these guys, uh, players. And so I just said, look, do like a set, do like whatever you or don't do more than half an hour because we want people to want more um, and do whatever you want. And uh, I pay them like they're playing a, a, a club gig and uh, they own the material, they own the, the videos. And if they want them to take, take, if they want them to take it down, I'll take them down. But otherwise they're up there. So there's now uh, seven, the eighth one is going up shortly and we're adding new, new players all the time mm -hmm. uh, as we, you know, have something to show the other guys to say, look, here's what it looks like. Um, and the response has been great. I mean, people, I think, value um, discovering people that they may not have known or people that uh, are playing music that they may not have even heard. Um, but it's all solo piano so far uh, because we don't want to have to get a mixer and an engineer. It's They're self-isolating. They're at home with their piano. And the great thing about a piano is it's an orchestra in itself, so it's fully self-sufficient. Yeah. So that's, and it's called Piano New Orleans. Uh, it's a playlist on the Harry Shearer channel on YouTube. And then there's other stuff there, like uh, beginning to uh, show some, so show some, hello Malbec, show some highlights of uh, the uh, Derek Smalls uh, concert uh, in LA called Lukewarm Water Live with a huge number of amazing rock and roll players as guests. Um, and then some other stuff uh, that I'm playing around with from time to time. That's, that's awesome. Now you, you, do you play, you play a little, um, play you bass. play a little cello, right? Or bass, you play no, no, bass. I, I play bass. I play bass. I, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I do play bass and, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting okay at it. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things, uh, as you go through the years, it's nice to have something that you can keep, that you keep, that you keep getting better at because, mm-hmm. uh, aging is supposed to be a time when, uh, <laughs> things go away. Um, and to have something in your grasp that gets that gets better with time is like a real treat. Now, a lot there you had a you had a musical set where it was uh, I, I guess a bit of a comedy as well. Do you, you with your music are you are you portraying comedy or are you are you bringing in the real vibes? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer. You mean in in what? In, in what I'm doing now, or in, in I mean, obviously, Spinal Tap was uh, a a satirical look at a particular kind of music, and we all agreed that the music had to be believable. It had to be believable that the, this band could have existed this long. Uh, so the, 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 it, there had to be a certain amount of credibility to it musically, and then the 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 mistakes were. Uh, lyrical mistakes rather than musical mistakes. Um, and the same with A Mighty Wind, same kind of concept. And what I'm doing now is, I mean, I I'm, I have this radio show and I've been doing songs in the voice of Donald Trump for the last few years and I'm, I've assembled them in, in, into this record that I'm making. Um, and again, I choose musical styles in which to place these songs that in my mind would be musical styles that are familiar to Donald Trump. Uh, what he grew up with or what he liked in the eighties, you know, when his musical taste was forming. So I'm trying to be musically accurate to what I think his musical world might be, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in this work. So it's always musically, I'm trying to make the music as right as possible. I guess a, yeah. I, I guess a better like way for me to have phrased that was, you know, we. Is there a different mindset for you know playing like, like the like this this Donald Trump moment, or the Spinal Tap moment? Is there a different mindset for when you are playing for, for you? Uh, do you play differently? Do you feel differently? You know, when you're well, playing. You- you know, you, you, you play differently, obviously, depending on the style of music. I mean, uh, uh, Derek's playing in Spinal Tap is very different than uh, my character's playing in uh, in the Folksman, most obviously because they're different instruments. Uh, the Folksman is an upright bass player, and uh, Derek is a, a five-string electric player. And those are totally different techniques. Uh, but even so, um, even if you stick to the electric... Uh, uh, playing in in the mode of Derek is a very distinct kind of character choice as to how to play the bass. And uh, like when my wife Judith, who's a wonderful singer and songwriter, asked me to play with her, uh, I'm playing in a, a style that's totally different. That's much more appropriate to how she how she insists on hearing it. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't have a personal style. I, I, I'm enough of a mimic to be able to uh, 
adopt the style that's appropriate to the occasion. Got it. Well, I, you know, I went back to the, I went back to the Kaur wine. Mine, I feel like just opened up a little bit, like mm. the time of being opened uh, a little bit more oxygen to it. Oh yeah. I Definitely find this, not, not nearly as, as Swedish. Yeah. It's much more dry for me, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I still, and I mine think had been, Mine had been open for two hours, as I told you. Uh, yeah. So crazy that it would. But I still think I'm picking the Argentinian Malbec. Absolutely. I mean, the way that this, that the French one has changed is yes, less sweet, but, um, not more pleasant, not more accommodating, it seems to me, to food, uh, which is the way I drink wine. Yeah. Uh, I very, this is, I very rarely drink wine without food. Uh, so I'm always looking at wine in terms of, you know. Well, I think you have, you know, when you brought a calf liver, I immediately was like, oh, that sounds good. I'd love a pate. Uh, mm -hmm. You're doing a duck confit. That, this would go very nicely with a duck confit. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. sounds delicious. So I try, you know, I, mm. I, 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 I do the cooking in the house and, uh, I have this wall full of cookbooks and I always would say to myself, cause I learned my basic 30 recipes, you know, that's my rep repertoire. And I'd always said to myself, boy, I, when, when I get the time, I'm going to crack open these books and learn some new stuff. And now my, my, uh, my, uh, it, I have been called, and so I'm, I'm starting. I did a, a famous garlic soup from a restaurant in uh, New Orleans last night, and uh, I, I don't normally make a lot of soups, but I, and the same restaurant has a really killer celery soup that I made uh, last week, so I'm going through the soup department right now. Uh, by the way, I visit uh, New Orleans three or four times a year, mm. and I, th I think I come back, uh, you know, five pounds heavier every time, so... <laughs> But well, it's I'm a basketball uh, player, so I deal with it. Uh, you know, I run it off. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's amazing food, and you know, we if I could do with YouTube for restaurants what I'm doing for musicians, uh, I would be enormously grateful because I can't put their food up on YouTube and and, and pay yeah. for it. Um, I've helped out in other ways, some of them, but. Um, you know, fingers crossed that 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 survives because it's a huge part not only of the eating scene but in New Orleans, as in France, um, so much of the social métier is mm -hmm. built around eating together. You know, and eating together happens outside outside the house. So I did a I did a James Beard uh, benefit. Um, where we did, uh, myself and some other bourbon tasters, we picked a barrel online and the money went to James Beard. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that can be done virtually to, to help restaurants. Um, a, a good friend of mine, uh, chef Edward Lee, he's on the mind of a chef, top chef. And, uh, he's, he's got a thing going to called the Lee initiative. So there's a lot of ways that you could do there, but you're right. Like, how can you, how can you get someone to show their, how can you get them to cook if they like, you know, I guess you could have them like set up a, a, a phone while they chop ingredients and cook and all that, but it's just not that sexy. 
uh, yeah. as it is on like Food Network. So, well, hun, hun, I think that might be our cue. That might be our, that might be our cue. I don't, I don't want to keep it. Time to feed the animals. That's what's going on. The carnival is eating of the animals. But uh, yeah, it would be, you know, I've there is a uh, among the great places in New Orleans, there is um, a gelateria that is the most kick-ass gelato this side of Florence, and I I have offered to advance order <laughs> a bunch of gelato for future delivery, and I they're they're thinking about it, but. Uh, that seems one way to do it. Um, but it is, you know, as I say, because it's so life is lived in the streets and in restaurants so much in that town. It's really crucial that uh, and it, and the fact is that uh, when you say that in other cities, it may suggest a certain level of expenditure or a certain level of fanciness or hoity toitiness. Mm -hmm. But the thing about New Orleans is there's great food at every price point, mm -hmm. you know? and uh, whether there's a tablecloth or not, whether there's decor or lack thereof, you know, the, the city is so devoted to uh, the pleasure of eating. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I remember I toured around the country uh, with my documentary about the New Orleans flood a few years back and uh, my my assistant arranged some boring. And I realized um, in New Orleans, the food always passes the closed eye test. You know, the flavor profile is such you always know what you're eating, even if you're not looking at it. And a lot of cities, the, the nice restaurants don't pass that test. You know, it's great yeah. ingredients, and, but somehow it, you close your eyes and uh, not quite sure. Couldn't couldn't be sure what that is. So it's 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 memorable in so many ways. This is great. I am going to have this with the duck confit. Thank you for this. You bet. Absolutely. Well, Harry, it's great. It was great spending some time with you. I know this won't be the last time. Um, I hope to actually be able to toast you in person one day when we get through all this. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And in the meantime, let us toast Bob and Ray. Bob and Ray, yes. Oh, God. Love them. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Oh, man, that was so much fun. I wish I could have sat down and enjoyed that duck confit with him. Oh, I'm kind of hungry for that right now. Oh, boy. I really did enjoy my time with Harry. And although it was through Skype, you know, it was like I was just right there in his room and having a glass of wine talking about Bob and Ray. Gosh, go check out Bob and Ray, too, when you get a chance. That's some classic, classic, classic banter back and forth. I love those guys. So the answer to the trivia question was, what was the character on The Simpsons that called his Kentucky bourbon the brownest of the brown liquors? And that, of course, was Lionel Hutz, the, the wonderful lawyer. Um, played by Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, of course, was murdered. And I think, I think Phil Hartman was one of the greatest losses 
of my lifetime from in the acting community. He just was so funny. I loved all of his voices. I loved everything that he said and did. He was just to me just unparalleled talent. I loved him so much. So I was very sad to see him go. But uh, the fact is, is that his voice and Harry's voice they live in they live forever on a show that changed the dynamics of American television. It really did. And I dare say it changed the world. And um, I really do, really, really do look back fondly on my time with my family watching The Simpsons. So that interview was so fantastic for me. So thank you so much to Harry Sharer for coming on. And make sure you guys are going and checking out his YouTube with what he's trying to do for musicians from New Orleans. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Make sure you click the subscribe button. Give us a good review while you're at it. And it helps with the algorithms and keeping people informed about what uh, what this show is all about. Next week's guest is a country star, uh, Chase Rice. So Chase has a, new, uh, has a new album coming out. And we're going to talk about that and drink some good bourbon. So make sure you're tuning in for next week to listen to this uh, really, really solid country star. He used to also be a football player, so uh, and he was in NASCAR. So this guy was just really kind of like a renaissance man's man. That'll be next week, and it's going to be awesome. But in the meantime, make sure you're following me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Just look for my name, Fred Minnick. Also, big time on YouTube. I'm trying to like... Uh, i uh, got a big announcement from the YouTube world. We are now a member channel, so you can go on over there and become a member to get some exclusive uh, content and see some exclusive tastings. So uh, more on the bourbon side, less on the music, but if you're into bourbon, you don't want to miss it. So guys, that'll do it. Uh, I wish everybody the most, the safest, cleanest journey out there. Please be safe, be kind to one another, and remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers! You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by The Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, by 291 Colorado Whiskey, and by Rackhouse Whiskey Club. Enter Fred at checkout to save $25. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, go to fredminnick.com. <laughs>